Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. It was kind of neat to hear all the the testimonies um, this morning, and many of which um, were regarding how God is working in the assembly as well about prayer. And that's kind of fun for me as we go through a study on prayer, that God is at work in each one of us um, in that as well. And so I look forward to what he is wanting to do through our assembly. Um, but again, that's, you know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear. So we've been talking about prayer over the past couple of weeks. Um, we have this week and then next week that we're going to focus on prayer in our messages. Um, next week's message actually will go back into the book of Matthew because we're in that point where Jesus has come down from the, the Mount of Transfiguration and he's going to see the, the father who's bringing his epileptic, quote-unquote, son uh, to him. And he's going to talk to him about the power of prayer. And so we're going to com- kind of combine the last message on the power of prayer along with getting back into our series on the book of Matthew. Today, um, we're going to be moving into the, the persistence of prayer, but over the last couple of weeks, we saw that prayer is communication with God in worship that is based on a relationship with Him. Now, the reality is, um, I want to ask this question right off the bat, does God hear the prayer of a sinner? We talked about this a little bit last week. Does God hear the prayer of a sinner? Yes and no. Good, okay? The answer should be yes and no. Because he said, if I, if I regard iniquity in my heart, then what? God will not hear me. Make sense? So the answer is, will God hear the prayer of a sinner? The answer is no. However, if that sinner becomes what? Contrite. That's exactly right. Contrite in their heart. And they call out to God and they confess their sin. Then that is the prayer that what? God will hear. Does it make sense? So, so we, we play that one out. And I say that because of the fact that there are a whole lot of people who are in the world and they're praying for something and they don't get an answer to prayer. Now, I'm not talking about believers, okay? Okay, we, we can discuss that one. But, but in, in and of itself, why is there a, a, like a vacuum? Why is there an emptiness that's going on? Because they're regarding iniquity in their heart, okay? They don't have a relationship with the Father. Okay. Now, I may, in my goodness, help one of my neighbor kids out. I may, in my goodness, help one of your kids out, whatever. But the reality is when my kids come to me, there's a what? There's a whole different relationship that's going to go on there. Okay. I'm going to help somebody of my own household. I may help my neighbors. I may help somebody in the community that I don't even know. God calls that common grace in a sense. He causes the sun to rise on the just and the the unjust. He gives the rain. Okay? And so he blesses everybody in the world. But there are special blessings that he holds for his children. Those who are in a relationship with him. And we're called then the bride of Christ. We're called the children of God. And so there's a special relationship that's there. We have looked at the privilege of prayer then, the priority of prayer, and the place of prayer. And um, two weeks ago we began discussing the pattern of prayer. And as we discussed the pattern of prayer... We saw that, in my mind, I used the word, an acronym um, of PRAY, and it stands for PRAY, uh, I'm sorry, PRAISE, REPENT, ASK, AND THEN YIELD. Over the last two weeks, we've looked at the first three of those um, parts, those facets of prayer, in the how-to. Jesus was asked by his disciples, teach us how to pray. And so he then taught them how to pray, and this is kind of a, a, a summarization of that, okay? And so we start off with praise, praising God for who he is and what he has done. Um, our Father who art in what? Heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy, holy, holy is your name. And so you can read Psalm 99 where it talks about His throne is holy, His name is holy, because He Himself is holy. And so we start off in prayer remembering who God is and what He has done, giving Him glory and praise for who He is. And the focus on then who God is and what He has done should turn around to us and make us realize how what? Sinful we are. In that, how can I 
come into the presence of this holy God. I think of Isaiah, again, before the, the throne of God in the, the year the king Uzziah died. He saw the Lord high and lifted up, right? And the, and the angels, the, the, the seraphim, were, were flying about, crying out, holy, 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 and, 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 and it was shaking. And, and, and Isaiah said what? Woe is me, for I am undone. I, I mean, I, I'm toast. Who, can, who am I to be in the presence of this holy God? And yet we have been given the privilege, Hebrews chapter 10 tells us, through the blood of Jesus Christ, that we can with boldness enter into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God. And I can go with confidence, I can go with boldness, and yet I need to remember that He still is who? This Holy God. And going into His presence isn't something to be held with contempt. That I can just go however I want and treat God like He's just... He's, he's, the, um, he's my, 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 my bestie, you know, and all this kind of stuff. God is still God. And focusing on who he is and what he has done should bring me into this concept of repentance. Changing the way I think about everything. Changing the way I think about sin. Changing the way I think about him. Changing the way I think about even prayer. Because I may be coming with this concept that it's all about me and I've got this laundry list of things I want to talk to, but all of a sudden I start focusing on who God is and things change. I remember years ago, I was driving back from Atlanta and a lot of times when I'm driving, I like to um, picture Jesus in the, in the passenger seat. I know he should be driving. He should be at the wheel, right? But anyways, I'm not let, hands, let go and let God, you know, just puts me into a tree sometimes. So... Um, but I like to think about that he's always with me, and so that I can have a conversation with him as I drive, you know? And so sometimes this can be a good long conversation, you know, and sometimes you're quiet because he's what? He's speaking, right? Remember, it's a conversation. It's, it's not just me to him. And so I remember I was really upset this one time, though. I was coming back from Atlanta. I was really frustrated about a certain relationship and it wasn't Marsha, it wasn't any one of my kids, it was somebody else, okay? And I was really frustrated as an individual, and I was really pouring out my, my, my spewing to God, and I was really just, you know, I was just really upset, and I was asking, well, okay, I was demanding God, to, 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 to take my side and, and to, to do something about this thing. I kind of looked a lot like David in some of his imprecatory um, psalms, you know? And, and God responded to me with, just worship me. And I said, you don't get it, God. I can't. I got this problem. You got to deal with this problem. How can I worship you when this problem's going on? And he said, you need to just worship me. I'm Peter. I need things three times spoken to me. Okay? So what did I do? I said it again. Because God clearly wasn't what? He wasn't understanding. Okay? I certainly knew a whole lot more than God did at this moment, and God just needed me to press my, my point a little bit more. We're talking about persistence today. Okay? We'll come to this in a moment. But God said to me, what? He was just as what? Persistent. And he said to me, no, you don't understand. You need to just worship me. And so finally, I what? I submitted to him, and I started singing Jesus' name above all names, and that led me into some other songs, and I just began to worship God. And you know what happened to all my anxieties and all my cares and all my frustrations? When I took them to the mercy seat, they went, they were gone. They were nothing. When I started focusing on the king of the universe, and I started to re recall, and I started to remember that what? He's got everything in control. Though I may not like what's going on in my life at this moment, he's got everything under control. I just needed to what? I needed to chill. And I remember who he is. And I didn't even remember what? Who I was. And judge not lest you be judged. And all of a sudden, I realized that that person I'm frustrated with is just as opinionated as you are, not me. <laughs> Clearly, I can't be opinionated. You know, all these other people, I said, oh, God, you're right. Everybody's opinion. No, as opinionated as, as I was. And that leads me then into what? Repentance. Instead of praying against somebody, now all of a sudden, what? Asking God to forgive me. Love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. 
And then all of a sudden you start understanding who God is and who you are, and now all of a sudden your asking begins to change, doesn't it? And your asking isn't asking for God to destroy, but now you're asking for God to what? To forgive them, for they know not what they do. You start to pray like Jesus on the cross. I think, again, I've, I've shared this, you know, if I... You know, if I'm Jesus on the cross, I'm acting like Mork from work, and I'm, and I'm shooting, and I'm, I'm wiping people out. But that's not how my God acts. That's not how my God thinks. And I'm supposed to put on the mind of Christ. And so much more does that mind of Christ, how does it come out when I'm praying? And you begin to ask, you know, think, how is your prayer? What does your prayer look like? It should be full of praise, praising God for who he is, repentance having comprehension of what you've done, contrition for what you've done, confession of what you've done, and then the correction phase, which is going to come after this prayer phase, because now you're going to start changing the way you act. Asking, intercession and supplication in faith and in obedience. There is one more of these ends of the conditions, and that flight goes into this part of yield. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this right now because I really need to get into persistence of prayer today. But it's really kind of neat how these two, yielding and persistence, come juxtaposed together in this message. I didn't plan it necessarily this way. This was supposed to finish out last week and we get into persistence this week. But it's really kind of neat for me that these two, two go together because they do go together. Because so many times we focus on persistence to the exclusion of yielding. But my Lord, when he was on the earth, taught me that in the end of my prayers, that it always becomes what? It's his will, not my will, that is to be done. We read, first of all, in 1 John 5, 14, he says, now, oh, and on your sermon note sheets, so by the end of a series of messages, you always get things right, right? So on your sermon note sheets, I have in bold the verses I'm going to go to on, on, the, on the slide, Okay. Last week, you're probably thinking to yourself, you could have at least told us what you were doing. So I read your minds, and, or at least God did, right? And he let me know. So the ones in bold are the ones we're going to go to. All right? So John, so if you have your Bibles and you want to fly there and, and, and be there with me, okay, you know which ones we're going to go to. Okay? So 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now, this is the confidence. The what? Confidence. Confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, how many things? anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have asked for him. This is called name and claim it. But not in a way that people with name and claim it want to preach it. There is a condition here. What's the condition? That I pray in accordance with his will. So I'm praying in faith, I'm praying in obedience, but thirdly, I'm praying in accordance with His will. And if I pray in accordance with His will, then I know I got it. If I'm not praying in accordance with His will, then guess what? Probably ain't happening. If I'm, if I'm coming up zeros in my prayer life, one thing I need to start asking myself is what? Am I praying according to my will? or according to his will. John, Jesus said in John 14, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And so we have this little thing that we add to the end of our prayers, into our, our conversations with God, and we throw in our abracadabra, we throw in our hocus-pocus, we throw in our shalakazam, or whatever that word was, you know, that Jesus' name... I pray. Because now, whatever I asked, I pray to what? In Jesus' name, and bam! No, not that he'll do it. He has to do it. Because he is my genie in the bottle, and I rubbed the bottle just right, and now he's got to do it for me. That's not what that verse says. It's what it says, but it's not what it says. Isn't that kind of interesting? You guys, military, right? You get this. Because if you ask anything in the name of the commander, it's going to be done for you, right? How many say yes? One hand went up. <laughs> no. No, it's not true. You can't just ask anything. So I'm the XO, you're the commander. You're gone away on vacation. That means as the XO, I'm what? I'm the acting commander. And so I can now sign in your name. So I've decided that we're going to have a pizza party 
every Friday night, and the commander is going to pay for it. (laughs) And I sign it in his name. Oh, no, I have the power, because he's away right now. I have the power to sign it in his name. So I sign it in his name. I have the power to do that. I sign it in his name. What happens a week from now when the commander comes back? And, and he sees the, the order which I've just signed in his name. I become a private. <laughs> the first thing that happens is, yeah, that probably actually is the first thing that happens. The second thing that happens is that order gets what? Rescinded, Rescinded revoked, whichever word you want to put in there. It is gone. This is not the land of Persia where the, the decision can't be over, overruled. It is gone. That, that order now goes, because he says what? That's not in accordance to my will. Do you get it? So as the XO, I need to know what my commander's what? Plan, purposes, if you would, will is for that, for that um, group. So that if something comes up while he is gone, I can then do something that is truly in accordance with his will. Make sense? And when he comes back, is he going to revoke it? He's not going to revoke it. So in this mind, this is an authority statement. It's because we've already seen what it means. If you ask anything, how? In his will. So when Jesus is saying, if you ask anything in my name, according to what I would ask myself. So when you go to the Father, Father, I want a pink Cadillac. And I just always use that as an illustration because you know I don't want a pink Cadillac. Okay? And so, Father, I want a pink Cadillac. Jesus said to tell you so. Right? Hey, Jesus said to let you know that he's good with me having a pink Cadillac. You know what God's going to do? What my father's going to do? He ain't going to give me a pink Cadillac. He's going to turn to his right hand, which we saw in Romans chapter 8, right? Because that's where Jesus is at, right? He's at the right hand of God. And what's he doing? He's interceding for me. Which means what? That my prayer actually went up through him anyway. And so the father turns to Jesus and says what? Son, do you want Bob to have a pink Cadillac? Jesus says, well, Chief, Dad, let me think about this for just a moment. No! <laughs> no! Now, now, he may not have a problem with me having a pink cattle, and he may look at me and go, well, Dad, I, 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 or not me, but at the Father, and say, well, Dad, I don't, I don't care what kind of, if he wants a pink cattle, I don't have a pink cattle, that's fine. Just blow his socks off, and let him, let him think that it's, it's kind of a cold moment. But if, if, if it's not his will for me to have a pink cattle, if it's not permissive or decreed, make sense? What do you think is going to be my response? No! But many times, we don't hear the what? No. no. Do you know why we don't hear no? Because we don't want to hear the no. How many of you as a kid wanted to hear no? Your dad, mom and dad say no to you. What did you do when you heard no? <laughs> Stomp your feet and everything. You know? Because I'm going to what? I'm going to still get my way. But God's the what? He's the perfect father. He looks down at you and goes, Come on, grow up. When you were a child, you acted like a child. You talked like a child. But when you're a man, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to act like a man. Father, Jesus cried out, If it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. This is a powerful passage to me. And and there's no way for me to get past this thing. Because Jesus, as a man wasn't looking forward to what was about to transpire in his life. Not just the physical pain, but he understood while he was on that cross in one eternal moment, whatever that is, and that's so mind-boggling to me, that there was going to be a separation in the Godhead. I can't comprehend that. That the Father was going to turn his face away from the Son because the Son was going to become sin. That he who knew no sin was going to become sin. And sin can't be found in the presence of God. And it was going to be abolished. It was going to be destroyed. And so when Jesus died on the cross, your sin was destroyed. Not the penalty, but actually the sin was destroyed too. How cool is that? And so Jesus, knowing, he sees God, he knows what's getting ready to happen within the next 24 hours. He's sweating, as it were, drops of blood, and he cries out to the Father, Father, if there's any way, if it is your will, I want this cup to be removed from me. Nevertheless, what? Not my will, but your will be done. Do you really want God's will, or do you want your will? God's ways are higher than 
our ways. His thoughts are beyond our thoughts. And so many times in our prayers, we need to remember to add in the end this concept of yielding. But God, as I poured out my heart, I recognize the fact that what? I may not fully comprehend how all this is playing out in the tapestry of life. And so ultimately, Father, what I really want is what you want. No, I really don't, Father. <laughs> I really want what I want. Because you've got to be honest. You might as well be honest. But if what I want isn't what you want, then I want what you want. Just help me to ultimately want what you want and be excited and accepting of what you wanted. Does that, you get all my wants in there? We're going to talk about those as we transition here. Because Psalm 37, verse 4, in context, 3 to 5, I think is a great transition here, summing up this yielding thing and going into this persistence thing. Trust in Yahweh and do good. Dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in Yahweh, and he shall give you what? Desires of your heart. Commit your way to Yahweh, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You want, what, you want to get your prayers answered? Bam, 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 prayers are being answered. George Mueller, right? You want prayers being answered? Delight yourself in the Lord. Feed on his faithfulness. Trust in him. Commit your way to him. Trust in him. And guess what? He'll bring it to pass. Because you know what happens with your delights? They get ordered. Along the path of his delights. And all of a sudden, your delights are his delights. What he is delighting in becomes what you're delighting in. Again, the four things I want people to pray for me. Okay, There's 12 pillars, but four of the primary pillars. I want purity. I want passion. I want privilege, and I want power. I want, so purity, you get that. But passion, I want my passions to be his passions. Not I want him to take on my passions, but I want to take on his passions. I want to love those that he loves. I want, I, want, I want to be impassioned for the things that he's impassioned about. I want to be impassioned for a prayer life because he is. And when all that happens, he's going to give me some privileges to be able to share him and to share his word. And there's going to be great power that comes upon me. The great power comes upon us. But do we want it? Last year, for a little bit, we focused on revivals and great awakenings of the past. Are you crying out for a revival in our land? For a great awakening in this neighborhood, in this community? The Lord woke me up in the middle of the night last night. I was up for quite a while. It was so cool. Because I was like, Lord, I know I'm struggling. And then all of a sudden I realized, no, this has been the passion of my heart. I am crying out for revival and great awakening in this neighborhood. And this is his desire. He desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And then I am crying out for the things that he desires. And God, I'm wanting it. I'm wanting it. I want to see people saved. I, just like when I went to Peru and I was crying out to, for when I went to Peru for, I don't know, three months before I went there. Is that about how long we meet, Steve? I'm looking at you. That's yeah, in preparation. So for three months, I was crying out that I wanted, God, I wanted to see God plant a church in one week. Because I knew he could. I wanted to go into this neighborhood and I wanted to see him plant a church in one week. Do you know what he did? He planted a church in one day. That night, the first night after we'd been out there, and there was a little redhead kid from Texas who was the evangelist. It wasn't me. He put together team was incredible this little redhead kid who who everybody looked at and just and and, and he opened up his mouth and people got saved bam 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 and then who i who loved to what teach and disciple you know and then this other guy dj who winds up being a youth specialist so he's working with then the teenagers are getting saved this is amazing this is so key so monday night i'm praying god i need someone i need i need a guy i can train to be a pastor of this new group and I'm thinking, well, okay, it's going to be this, this guy who, who owns the house slash store that is our house of peace that we're working through in that neighborhood. And so I talked to um, Pastor Umberto, who was the, the, the pastor who I was kind of coordinating with down there. And I said, so I'm thinking this, you know, and he says, and through my in- interrupter, right, in- interpreter, and he says, no, no, he says, he's actually, you may, th- what about Cesar? I said, who's Cesar? 
He says, well, he's his son. I said, well, how old is Cesar? He says, uh, I think he's 21 or whatever. So anyways, I never met Cesar because we were out evangelizing. And so I went in and I talked to Cesar. And so I go through my interrupter, right? And, and I ask him, I, you know, the, so here's what I'm praying about. I'm praying about for, I'm going to train somebody up this week to be able to take over and become, in a sense, the pastor of this little group that's coming up. And what do you think? And he said, see. And I looked at my interpreter, my interrupter, and I said, I said his name was Joel. And I said, Joel, I don't think he understood the question. I said, I think you need to, I mean, that was too simple. You, you, you know, because what? God's not able to do exceeding abundantly by whatever I ask or think, you know, because this can't be happening. So I said, you, you need to ask him again. So he asked him again, and Caesar says what? See. For those who don't understand, that means yes. And, right? So he said, see. I knew at least that much, right? And so I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm sitting there, there's no way. There, there's no way. And I said, so ask him. To explain why he's so accepting of what's going to happen. He says that since he was a teenager, he's felt the burden to teach God's people, but he didn't know how. He didn't know how it would come about. God had already been preparing him for years for this moment. And he just put me there. I tell Pastor Umberto that, so this week, what we're going to do is we're going to go out and evangelizing in the morning, but I'm going to come back because Cesar's going to come back from college, and I'm going to train him, and he's going to start leading the Bible studies. Because of the way it worked, we had to do a Bible studies during siesta time, which means nobody comes for siesta time, which meant I got to take Caesar then out door to door to do discipleship and Bible study. So he got to teach the, the Bible study material five times as we're going, or whatever, ten times as we're going through the neighborhood. And so it was really kind of cool stuff. Anyways, I talked to Pastor Umberto, and I said, Pastor Umberto, I said, uh, what do you think of all this? And he says, I've been praying for years for God to do something like this, but I didn't know how to train men. How cool is that? And then you guys know the story. It gets better than that because on Friday I want to speak in tongues. Not tongues like you think tongues, but speaking in Spanish. I didn't speak Spanish, but I did that day. He had laid on my heart five or six verses to memorize, and they wanted to be an exact verses I needed to, mem- to, to witness to two little kids who came over just to see what was going on as Joel was witnessing to a woman at the door. And I got to be able to kind of, you know, do this thing, and then I asked one kid to witness to the other kid. He goes, no, you know, so I did. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. God did it. And I'm yanking on Joel. Joel, find out if they understand what I just told them. They understood. And they wanted to accept Jesus as their Savior. Do you believe that God can work a revival in this neighborhood? Do you believe he can work the revival in this community? Are you willing to yield to his will over your will? Because it may mean that things that you want to do don't get done because he has other plans that he needs and wants to have done. Not my will, but... Yours be done. Well, he, he summarized that for us in Matthew 6, didn't he? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. And so when you do this and you delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. And that transitions us very nicely then into this next section with the persistence of prayer, where we're going to go into now. And with persistence, I like to, to define persistence as a passionate, a passionate perseverance. A passionate perseverance. Because you will be persistent about anything that you care about. If you don't really care about it, it's like laissez-faire, right? You know, I ask about it and it goes away. But if you really care about this thing, you're going to persevere. And you're going to persist. So it's this passionate perseverance. Passion is a strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement for something or about doing something. Do you, are you more excited about the NFL or about... Or about telling people about Jesus? Are you more excited about going shopping at the mall or telling people about Jesus? Any powerful, hmm, of compelling emotion or feeling, anything that's controlling you with powerful, um, compelling you. But that's going to be coupled then with this perseverance. Perseverance is the continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition which is extremely important as we're going to see, as we have seen, when it comes to prayer. Because we wrestle not what? Against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And it's a spiritual war is going to go on. You're going to continually find oppositions. 
I mean, there's no doubt in my mind as I come into Sunday and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, all night, I'm just drainage and everything. You know, from yesterday, I was a basket case with, with, um, with my allergies. But praise God, I'm not feeling them right this very moment. So continue to pray, okay? I mean, it's just, it's nuts. I mean, I know, and I know, Marcia knows. When we're going, a week from now, we're going to go in prayer and fasting. I mean, it's going to be hell breaking loose. It's the spiritual war. It's what it's all about. That we're seeking to bash in the gates of hell. That means us going against them, not sitting here defensively hoping that we don't get bashed in. It's us looking to bash in the gates of hell, and Satan isn't going to take that kindly. He's going to throw those fiery darts coming off the uh, what? Off the wall. That's why you need that shield of faith that's going to be up there protecting you as they come flying down. You know the best way not to be shot at, right? Is to don't go. Don't do it. Don't go. So if you're not involved, then you don't have to worry about the battles. But if you delight yourself in the Lord and you want what he wants, then guess what? Then you go forth marching into battle. Okay? So, it's established, first of all, in passion. So, taking Psalm 37.4, and now we bring in Psalm 27.4, okay? Which I spent a little bit of time on with Psalm 23 preparation yesterday, but then I spent even more time on this this morning, and this slide got added this morning. I mean, I just cannot not add this slide. <laughs> and anyways, I want to preach a whole message on this. It's just one thing, echad, one thing, echad. And so echad is one amongst others. It's the priority. It is the best thing. One thing, the uppermost thing I have desired. This is delight yourself in the Lord and you will get the what? Desires of your heart. One thing I have desired, one of Yahweh, that I will seek God, I, I want to seek. Help me to what? Seek for your kingdom and your righteousness. If you're not seeking first, that's your first prayer. Father, I want to seek it. I want to want you. Do you want him? Do you want to want him? The battle's always there. What is your want to want? One thing I've desired of Yahweh, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of Yahweh all the days of my life, to behold the pleasantness is really a good word there. The beauty of Yahweh. And to inquire in his temple. And, I mean, this is David speaking. The temple wasn't even built. He's not talking about it. And just if you look at verse 5 and verse 6, and you don't have to now, but you'll see that he talks about the, the, um, the sanctuary, um, the tabernacle. That's literally the word for tent. So he's not talking right here about the, the, the tabernacle. He's talking about the palace of God. I want, to, I want to dwell in your presence all my days so that I am literally in your presence and I am able to what? Speak. Why? Because you have extended to me the golden scepter. Why? Because I'm delighting myself totally into you and everything I want is what you want. And I'm just full of awe at looking on, on, your, on your presence. I'm just overwhelmed. By focusing on you. And so everything I ask, everything I, I ask for, everything I, I beg for, it's just, it's just coming out of, the, out of this desire for you. It's a passion. It's the passion that we, we, we saw as well here. In, where David says, oh God, you are my God. Early, earnestly is really the idea. That earnestly, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land. What do you think in a dry and thirsty land you'd be wanting? Water. David says, no, I understand what the dry and thirsty land is. I'm telling you, God, I want you more than I want water. I want you more than I want food. Remember that a week from now, if you're going to participate in the the, the time of fasting, right? Because this is exactly what I pray. I want you more than I want what? Food and water. I want you more than I want anything else. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness. What word is that? Chesed. Chesed. Because your chesed is better than life. It's better than what? It's life itself. Your loving kindness, faithfulness, is better than anything that this world can give me. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. My mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed and I meditate on you in the night watches. What do you think about when you, when, you, when you get woken up in the middle of the night? By whether it's the neighbor slamming the door, whether it's because you're sneezing because of allergies, whatever woke you up, what's the first thing you start thinking about? Are you praying for the body? Are you giving glory to God? 
God, I thank you for my nasal passages. I am so fearfully and wonderfully made. Aren't you glad you have nasal passages? I mean, aren't you glad you can smell? How, what, what a praise. But a lot of times we want to be what? God, why did you give me allergies? What do you do in the middle of this beautiful time? David, we're going to, again, Psalm 119, we'll get it. We're David or Ezra, whoever wrote Psalm 119, I think David, is talking about how he meditates upon God in the night watches. It's not a negative to him. He understands he has an opportunity. It's a great time to, to quote your verses that you're memorizing. You know what Satan a lot of times does? He lets your hand... He doesn't... I mean, I, 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 normally I can't even get through um, verse, chapter 1 of, of Philippians. Because he, he doesn't want me to do that. And so if it's Satan that's holding me back, he just lets me go. <laughs> I drift off to sleep. If it's God who's waking me up, I have a great time of just fellowship with him. The last two mornings he woke me up extremely early. Not according to my alarm clock. I've had great time, lovely time, wonderful time that I wouldn't have had otherwise. I felt like I needed my sleep. He said, no, you need me more. How much do you want him? It's a passion that you've got to have. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the city of scorpion, but his delight is in the law of Yahweh. In his law he meditates day and night. Day and night. So when you wake up in the middle of the night, is his delights your delights? Just, just saying. It comes out of that, that yielding part into a passion side. Make sense? Because you're, you're, you're yielding and, and all of a sudden, you're just, all you can think of is, is God and what he wants. But it moves then into this perseverance side. And I'm moving quickly because I know I've got how much to do and we've got in just a few seconds to do this, right? And so, biblical exhortations to persevere. We know this verse, pray without what? Ceasing and everything give thanks for this is the will of God. What's the will of God? To what? Rejoice, pray, give thanks. And how do you pray? Without ceasing. Continue earnestly, okay? Colossians chapter 4, continue earnestly. This is an important word you're going to see multiple times here. Proskarta ereo persevered, continued diligently, okay? So continue this diligently in prayer, being vigilant, that's Gregorian, um, like the word Gregory, in it with thanksgiving, meanwhile praying also for us. So how are they supposed to pray? With perseverance, okay? With perseverance. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly, persevering in prayer. So one of the ways that we're kindly affectionate to one another is what? Persevering in our prayer for one another. It's so easy to forget to pray for one another. But God says that's part of loving one another, is praying for one another, persevering in our prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, okay? Put on the whole armor of God. We know about that, and we have the whole armor of God there, right? The very end... The, the part of the armor of God is praying always with what? All prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance. The same word again. In supplication for all the saints. So we're supposed to be praying. Do you get the, this exhortation? It comes over and over and over again, okay? That we're supposed to be praying without quitting, diligently, earnestly, happening, that we're going to stand up against opposition with it. Steadfast. Two passages I want to talk about real briefly. I don't have a lot of time to do this, but I could spend more time on this. That I believe are misunderstood. Okay? And I know some of you may not, won't like what I'm going to say. Okay? But you've got to read this passage for what it is. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't be praying persistent, persistently, but understand what's happening here. Okay? He spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. What's the purpose of him sharing this parable? Keep praying. keep praying. Okay? So not just even keep praying, but that you should what? Pray and not lose heart. Okay? So a lot of times we take that as persistence. Okay? I'm not saying necessarily that's going to be persistence. I'm just saying that when you pray, you shouldn't be like, remember we talked about last week when my kids come to me and say, well, Dad, I was going to ask if, well, but you're not going to give it to me anyway. Make sense? And so immediately they're not praying with what? Any faith in me. Okay? 
so that when you pray, you shouldn't lose heart, okay? So read what it says. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city. When she came to him, saying, Get justice for me for my adversary, and he would not for a while. But afterward he said to them within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. If he's an unjust judge, then what he says means nothing to us. Other than and God, is, God is using him to give us a what? A negative illustration. Okay? Hear what the unjust judge said, And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them how? Speedily. You don't have to. If you ask anything according to his will, what's he going to do? He's going to answer you. You don't have to keep begging God to, 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 to answer his will. God is a loving God, he, and, and, and He's sovereign over all things. He doesn't need us begging and badgering Him. And finally, He says, okay, the water's come against the rocks long enough. I'll finally give way and let the water through. No, rather, He loves us. And if we ask something, if I was that widow and I'm going before God, is God going to make me continually come and look for justice? That's the whole point of what Jesus is saying. He said, look, the unjust judge finally did the right thing. Are you thinking God's going to be like the unjust judge? He's finally going to do the right thing because it took you having to demand it from him? He says, no. How much more so? He's going to answer you speedily. In Luke 11, we have this um, passage of the friend who's looking for bread. He says, so he said to them, Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. And he tells them the, the, the model prayer. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on this journey and have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, saying, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed with me. I cannot rise and give it to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence. Bad translation. That Greek word is anadion. It literally means impudent. So, if you put it in Google Translate, you put that Greek word in Google and ask for the translation, you're going to get impudence and disdain. You're not going to get persistence. Uh-huh, exactly. He says, because of his impudence, his lack of respect, because he's coming to his friend when? In the middle of the night. He didn't wait for him to what? Sleep through the night. He's being inconsiderate. But... Look what happens. Because of his persistence, his, his persistence or his impudence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, based on that, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks what? Receives. You don't have to be impertinent with God. Why? Because... If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead? If he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Because you're asking according to what? His will. If you're delighting yourself in the Lord and you're, and you're crying out to God, you don't have to be impudent. You don't have to continue to badger God to give you what he has already wants to give you. All you have to do is what? Say, Father, I need something to eat. Jesus in his model prayer didn't ask us to pray for steak, did he? What did he ask us to pray for? Your daily bread. What did he say in Matthew chapter 6, at the very end of the chapter? See, the beginning of the chapter, he gives him a model prayer. At the end of the chapter, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these things will be added to you. What were all these things? Clothing, food, housing. And he says, he says, after, after these things, the Gentiles what? Seek. But you shouldn't be like that. You need to change the way you think. You should be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then, guess what? Your father, who knows that you know you need these things, he's going to what? He's going to take care of you. You should be seeking what he wants. He'll take care of your wants.
in your needs. But we're more worried about our wants than his wants. We're more worried about our will than his will. Are you seeking his kingdom and his righteousness? So, biblical examples. We're going to go through these real quick, and you'll see I'm not doing very many verses on this because I knew I wouldn't have any time. So, the example of the early church, Acts 1. These all continued, that's our word again, persevered, continued diligently with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's the very beginning. First thing we see the church do after, after Jesus rose from the dead, right after he ascended into heaven, they gather together with persistence in prayer. Acts 2, we're told that those who gladly received Peter's word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Okay, great fear came upon all the souls. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And so I appreciated, Emily, your, your testimony, because it's exactly, it plays out through the entire beginning of the early church over and over and over again. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among them all as anyone had need. So continuing again daily, okay, persevering with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, that's what? praying, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Do you see what happens when the church is persistent in prayer? Praying for the kingdom of God? What does he do? He adds to the church. And this is the passage Emily shared earlier from Acts chapter 6, where the, the elders, the church was growing so much that the elders couldn't take care of the, feeding the widows. And they said, look, we need help. And so they cried out. And he said, but here's the idea. We want other men to be able to take care of meeting the physical needs of these elderly women so that we can give ourselves steadfastly to prayer and the ministry of the word. Pray for me. That that's just me. Again, I want purity, passion, privilege, and power. I know it's on my knees I'm going to get that power. But it's, it's a struggle for me just as it's a struggle for you. I can stand here and I can preach you and I can tell you all these things, but I'm telling you that it's a battle to get out of bed when I'm not feeling like I want to get out of bed. It's a battle to get on, on a cold tile floor because that's the only floor I got to get down on. But that's what I need to do. That's what we need to do. And the Lord will add to the church. The example of Paul. Paul says to the to the Colossians, as he does as well to the Philippians and others, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. And then in, going down in it, I'm skipping down to verse 9, he says, since the day we heard of it, we do not cease to pray for you. As he says to all the churches, he's just persistent. He is persevering passionately because he has a passion for these people. He persists and perseveres and is praying for them, regardless of whatever else happens. He wants to pray for the church. But this is the guy that really, over the last couple of months, has just... Um, as I've been reading through Colossians in my quiet time and breaking it apart, I want to be an Epaphras. I mean, Paul, you know, you think of Paul, you think of Timothy. Epaphras is, who thinks about Epaphras? I want to be Epaphras. Epaphras was a dynamite guy. There's only a couple of verses on him, but the verses that are written about him are pretty incredible verses. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently. He's laboring how? fervently for you in prayers. It's a battle. It's a fight. But he's persistent in it. He's persevering. In it. He's sweating as it were. He's fighting and he's laboring fervently, passionately for you in prayer. I want to be that, I want to be that guy. I don't know about you. I, I want to be the, that one who is faithful to labor fervently in prayer for the body of Christ. Literally, it's the word agonizomai. It's where we get our word what? Agony, or agonize from. Literally, the agony part of it was an Olympic match. It was a noun. It was an Olympic match. And so agonizomai is the verb form of it. It means to be fighting in that match. It's to mean struggling. And so you think about Olympic wrestlers and, and how they're wrestling with each other. They're not quitting. They got all that way because they wanted to what? Win. And they're going to get it into the ring and say, well, you know, whatever. I can't win this one anyway. No, they're going to run. They're going to run it out. I think of the Canadian runner who it was that pulled his hamstring years ago. I don't know if it was 12 years ago, 16 years ago. I'm getting old. It could be 20. Who knows? Anyways, he pulled his hamstring. And he didn't what? He didn't quit. He finished the course. He ran the race. He didn't win the, the gold, silver, or bronze. But he what? 
He did what he came, went there to do. He persevered. He labored fervently to finish that race. So in the end, what does your prayer life reveal about your relationship with God? How important is it? How consistent are you in spending time with your Heavenly Father? Really, it's an indicator of how important he is to you. What does that indicate about your passion for him in his kingdom? How consistent are you in praying for others in the church? Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you are interceding within the Godhead. That I know that Jesus, in him, the fullness of the Godhead, dwelt bodily. And now he's residing at your right hand, and yet he is interceding for me. And then the Holy Spirit is then interceding for me as well. And so that when I don't know what to speak, the Holy Spirit speaks. And I don't know if the Holy Spirit speaks to Jesus, and then Jesus speaks to you, or how all that plays out, Father. I just think it's glorious, though, that you care so much about me, that you have worked this mechanism in it, that I could have this fellowship with you. Lord, I pray that I would be willing, that I would be desiring, that I would be as impassioned for this relationship as you are. And I pray that, Lord, for everyone who's here, for everyone in our assembly. Lord, that we would be impassioned for the things that you are impassioned for. Lord, that we would then persevere, persistence in our relationship with you. Seeking your kingdom in your righteousness. That our assembly, Lord, would, would truly be, as a group, a city that is set upon a hill whose light cannot be hid. Lord, that in this neighborhood, that we would be a symbol of your grace and your mercy, of your truth, of your righteousness, of your holiness. Lord, that your power would be poured out upon us. Lord, that we would see men and women in this neighborhood, in this community, come to know you as their Savior. That we would see families of the children of the school across the street come to be discipled, to grow in your grace and knowledge. And Lord, that we would truly live up to that, that logo that we put out there, that we're building families on the Word of God. Lord, that we would do that. That we would build our own lives and then our families upon the truth of your Word that it would be preeminent because you are preeminent. That you would be magnified. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.